HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, guys. This is the last episode for season three. Thank you all so much for your support this season. We're also especially proud to be included in Dying Diaspora's annual 31 Days of Black Women in Food as part of Women's History Month. See the show notes or our social media pages for a full list of all the incredible women that were included um, for this award. We're wrapping up the season with Chef Akudo's story. It's a two-part series that shares his journey from being a novice cook to a high-end chef and his goal of supporting community while doing so. We ended up speaking for over two hours, and so the audio has been edited in a way that allows you to grasp the um, meat of our conversation, I guess, um, versus our personal yapping <laughs> and focus on the story. Also releasing this in two parts. Uh, the Part one will focus on his early days, and then part two on his foray into professional cooking and the work he's doing with his relatively new uh, cookie school in the UK. Enjoy. This week, or I guess today, I'm thrilled to have Akudo in the guest chair. We, I'm trying to think how we first met. Like, I think I emailed you um, for Africa yeah. Food Week a couple of years ago, and he enthusiastically responded yes, having never met me. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is going to be, it was one of the most interesting, enthusiastic responses I got. So I was like, uh, and since then I followed like the work that you've been doing. And I, I thought of you because, um, just one, because of the conversations we had when I was in London and then two, uh, with what you're doing now with your cookery school. I think it's, it's an interesting, story to share and 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 i think everyone will see as we sort of go through um the topics i wanted to discuss today because it ties into a lot that's happening with the west african food landscape so i think it's interesting and i'm actually um i don't know if the word, right word is proud that we have some uh, a facility or an establishment like this that's working to provide uh, a standard for for chefs and cooks um, who are looking to do work in the space. So excited to speak to you today. Um, let's start with you sharing. I, I know a little bit about you, but for those that are listening, um, why don't you share about who you are, where you're from, um, yeah, your background a little bit. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, for those that don't know, my name is um, Akudo Agoke. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a short form. My full name is actually Akudo Sochim, um, which is a girl's name, and I still don't. <laughs> oh, really? I still don't understand why my dad did that to me. <laughs> yeah, because if you meet any um, most Nigerians that have heard the name Akudo before, always uh, they're always puzzled when I say that's my name because they probably have female friends that have that name. Oh, that's um, it's interesting. I didn't know that at all. Yeah, it's not a very common name, so most people don't know. But two people who know are either Igbo people, mm. people from the Igbo tribe that know that, oh, that's usually a girl's name, or people who've had friends, female friends named Akudo, and then they, they, there's that shock of what? what? <laughs> yeah, but my dad did it like that. He gave me a boy's name. He gave me a girl's name and gave my sister a boy's name. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> He's been asked why he did that by so yeah. many different people, and his response is always is always because I can. Oh, I guess I guess because <laughs> from the the tribe that I'm from in Ghana, the Ewe tribe, we actually have unisex names, so like our names can be used for both boys and girls, which is not typical. I'm trying to think; it's not typical in the Ghanaian sense. And so, if you meet someone from the Ewe tribe, if you meet a girl that's called Salasi and a guy that's called Salasi, so we yeah. keep it interesting <laughs> that way too. Yeah, well, it's I I think anyways because I I think from my background I grew up with my dad because um, he explained to me that a name is a blessing and because um, I think African names generally mean something. Mm-hmm. So my name, for instance, means uh, peaceful wealth. Uh, so he brought me up understanding that a name is a blessing. Um, yeah, it was. I grew, I was born in Nigeria. Myself and all my sisters, we were um, we were born in Nigeria, and then I think uh, my dad was a frequent traveler because he worked for a company and he was the um, I think it was like the managing director for that company, and um, it was a uh, a big multinational company back then if I remember well John Holt because mm. they dealt with a lot of other big companies like Yamaha and the rest so he used to travel a lot and um, because I believe their headquarters was based in Liverpool so he used to go back and forth to the UK a lot uh, than any other country and he just sort of liked it and I think he just thought to himself like you know what my family would probably have a better life here yeah and then one day he just sort of decided, all right, um, I'm going to just apply for, because he was, he was in and out so frequently, so eventually he was getting to a point where um, he wasn't applying, wasn't applying for like, uh, what do you call it, visitor's visa, and he was just like applying for like a work permit. Oh, I see. Yeah, so eventually he got to the point where he could then apply um, as a leave to remain, and he just thought, you know, I'm just going to come here and I'm just going to bring my family here. And then for us, it was just sort of how it was. And then we started to visit when we were younger, when we were kids. And yeah. then eventually then the procedure to eventually just move the family here. Then what was that? Do you remember what the transition was? Because how around how old were you? Do you? Was it a tough transition for you coming from... No, well, to be honest, it wasn't really a tough transition because my 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 dad was um, was traveling a lot and always busy. So we were kind of kids that we grew up understanding that yeah, dad's not around a lot, so get used to it. Um, and then we moved around a lot quite well. Like I remember, like 
before I was born, they lived in a house when my older sister was born. We moved um, the house I was in. We moved again. And then um, after we moved, then we moved again. I think we moved about five times. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got used to oh, I see. an early age. Um, and then obviously with my dad um, not being around, a lot and my mm. mom was also an entrepreneur back then she used to run like this little shops and everything so yeah. we used to have um you know most african homes have like uh, a maid a home right that helps out so we pretty much just got used to them not being around and we being shuffled around too much so transitioning from here to the uk was just we just saw it like the same thing we've been going through but mm-hmm. on a on a much bigger scale okay that's interesting so then how especially as a guy how did you start like cooking or how where did your interest in 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 cooking and food come from because typically um and I can speak I I think I can even speak to the Nigerian experience just based on, on the number of people I've spoken to and my experience with them is that a lot of the times it's women or girls who are encouraged to be in the kitchen and those who end up, you know, doing food, like that's sort of where their interest or their expertise or skills set starts from. Um, did you start cooking early or like, how did you, where did your interest in food come from? Especially our food, I should say too. Um, yeah. So the funny thing about my experience is that I started cooking late, like super late. Um, which is um which most people don't believe when i first say it and they're like nah that like you can't you can't at least be at this level and you're telling me you only started cooking like what a couple of years <laughs> yeah and i'm like nah really i really because um like you said it's how it is back in nigeria right and in African cultures as well uh, some african cultures are different where they don't have that kind of gender roles mm-hmm um, but in in like West Africa, especially like Nigeria, Ghana, is the women that are currently encouraged. So, and um, when I was growing up, my mom actually used to kick me out of the kitchen. She actually used to say, "The kitchen is not a man's place." Mm-hmm. And I've got she would say, "The kitchen is not a man's place." I've got other jobs for you, and I'll be sent to like um, like either do the garden outside or sweep the compound or wash the car. Like I would be given jobs like that. Um, so I would be the one to like wake up really early in the morning and then see dishes in the sink and then try and help by cleaning up the dishes or try and lend a dish or two just to try and help out in the kitchen. But my mom, you know, she'd, she'd be impressed by it when she wakes up and stuff like that. But, you know, on a normal day, if, if, if she saw me going into the kitchen, she would always be like, nope, get out of my kitchen. Kitchen is not a man's place. Get out of my kitchen. And to be honest, to be to, to be fair, the little odd jobs I used to do in the kitchen, I just used to do them just to win my mom's favor because I knew I wanted <laughs> I knew I was either going to ask for something towards the end of the day, or I wanted money for something. So the kitchen, I pretty just I got used to it being not my area. Right. Which is it's so, unfortunate yeah. though, you know, when you think about it. Um, because I think it's a basic skill that everybody needs to have. I say this all the time. It's a life skill. Like mm-hmm. it's not. And I, I, okay, I will tell you why I'm a big promoter of the fact that it is a life skill. Because this is also another reason why I eventually ended up in uh, in this journey that led me into food. Because what happened was, 
when my family started to move to the UK, uh, my older sister and I were doing, I was doing my A-levels. She was doing a foundation at the time. And um, I just rang up my mom and I just said, hey, listen, you used to kick me out of the kitchen every time when I was growing up. And now you're going to pay for that, okay? I need to cook. <laughs> you to cook. So you're going to be on the phone with me every day when I get back from uni. You need to teach me how to cook because I'm tired. I want some pounded jam. I want some jello fries. I want some beef <laughs> I'm tired of eating burgers and smoked turkey, please. And so my mom would call me. Uh, she would call me uh, every night, every evening. I would let her know, okay, I'm back from uni. She would call me. And this was when there wasn't like, there was, there was no WhatsApp. And you couldn't just text internationally because you'd incur some serious cost. So this was the days of the uh, calling card. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> wow. <laughs> we had to buy a calling card, dial that longest number on the calling card, scratch it to see what your card was, yeah. and it'll tell you $10 or $20. And yeah, then... You would then load out and call and then wait for all oh, my days. And then if, if the call was getting too long, you had to rush out and get another calling <laughs> card. So this was, this was, this, this was, this, this was suffering time. It's so funny how um, technology has advanced, right? Like when you think back, oh. back way, oh my goodness, the things we used to do. I'm sounding like an old person. The crazy times. So my mom would call and she would direct me. And this was at 2008. So she was teaching you how to cook in general or specifically Nigerian food? Like I would pick something. She'd be like, okay, what do you want to make? And I'd say, I, I want stew. I really feel like stew. Um, and I want to make stew. I saw like, um, she tried to get me to understand, okay, how to cook rice first. The first time I cooked rice, it was an absolute tragedy. <laughs> I, def and I was so confident. I looked at the rice and I'm like, it's rice. How hard can it be? And I, I like, I it was burnt at the bottom. The rice was mushy. Um, I don't even know. I don't know how you can burn rice. It's mushy and yet <laughs> it's still at the same time. Like it just didn't make sense. I was like, where did I like? How did I even <laughs> see if you had if you had grown up in the kitchen cooking? Like rice is the basic. Like I feel like most girls can cook rice like with their eyes closed, just because we had to do it so much. You get what I mean? Like oh, rice yeah, was like, yeah. well, I could, that was out, that was out. Like, and we're, we're talking like 2008, this is like what, just 12 years ago. Yeah. And I couldn't cook to save myself. So obviously the first time I cooked rice, failed it, like terrible. And then I told my mom and she was like, did you wash the rice? I'm like, um, no. I was like, what do you mean wash the rice? She's like, you have to give the rice a couple of swirls, get rid of starch and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I'll try doing that later. Did that messed up the rice and she's like you know what did you do did you have the flame so she kept guiding did you have the flames on high i was like yeah she's like okay you don't you don't leave the flames on high when you're cooking rice so she would guide me like that and i would i would keep trying bear in mind every time i failed i had to just eat some coffee yeah food. because you're a student still right because you can't be throwing out that food like all the so time I can't be throwing it out. yeah and i I'd pack this lunch and i try and take it to school and so imagine I'm, I'm, I'm at uni, I'm trying to eat my lunch. My lunch tastes like, you know, the devil's vomit. <laughs> um, my friends are like, oh, what do you have there? And obviously I don't want them to taste it because it tastes like crap. 
So I didn't have to fake and be like, ah, oh, no, you know, no, it's just, you know, my. How did you go from that level of cooking to even, not even before you were tra- properly trained? Because I remember discovering like you on Instagram and your, I mean, your plating and all that you did was like way above the level of people that have had years and years of experience. How do you go from like, I cannot cook rice for the life of me to, to, <laughs> to not even just a basic food? Because I remember part of why I, you know, when I discovered you, I continued to follow you, was that you were also coming up with creative ways already back then of yeah. presenting and like combining different ingredients in, in sort of unexpected ways. So how do you go from that to, from, you know, from not knowing how to boil rice to the point where you're, you know, doing super interesting? Okay, it goes back to when my mom was still teaching me. So after so many failed attempts, she eventually, the first recipe I've mastered is she teaches me, like, how to boil chicken. Okay. So, you know, the, the way Nigerians or West Africans boil chicken, you know, with the onions and, and, and the ginger, garlic, curry powder and all of that. Um, where they, they're, you're cooking the chicken, but at the same time, you're making chicken stock to use um, for whatever the main dish is that you're going to cook. So that was the first thing I got right. I bought this chicken and tasted the chicken and the chicken tasted nice. And I was like, oh, I think I got this. So that was just sort of how, that was where the improvement started. That was where I would say the, the excitement with cooking started. Started, yeah. But that, that was mostly though also um, improvement in taste, right? Because you also have a distinct like presentation style. Yeah. So then there was no, there was no presentation style. Then it was, I was still in my slap it on a plate and just. <laughs> yeah. More survival mode than anything else. Yeah, so it was was just that. But then, aside from her, I would have friends then come back at home. They would taste my food at school. So it then became a thing where eventually I moved out of my apartment and I started, I moved into like a bigger house with some of my friends. Uh So it then became a thing where when it was time to cook, my housemates would always be like, yo, could you whip up something, whip up something? And you know, you're, you know, you're the guy, you're the yeah. guy who goes into And I, I just became this guy who would go into this kitchen and be like, okay, what do we have? What can we work with? And come up with something. And I just became that guy that was trusted, like, yeah, let, let, you know, like, come on, man. So I would be the one, I became like the mom of the house, like, yeah, you go out there, buy me mint. Right. Carrots, you, <laughs> how much do we have? pull our funds together we realize we're all poor kids we only have like five dollars okay you go get this you go get that and then we'd make a meal out of it and then that was what and then that was where it was like you know instead of getting to me like wow you know i can put stuff together I can put right. stuff together. so then so, then i oh, moved this is, back oh then you moved back to the uk okay then i moved back to the uk um and it just sort of stayed there um Obviously, I had perfected my okra game at the time. <laughs> I'm when I moved back, and I made okra for my sisters. So um, I remember my sisters would be like, like they didn't want my mom making okra; they wanted me making it. Oh wow! Yeah, and my mom would always, until this day, she still says her favorite sentence is, 
the student can't be better than a master. I taught you, so whatever success you're getting from your food journey, it's thanks to me. I could so, see that. I don't think my mom would ever agree that I, I cook anything better than this. So. My mom would, I mean, she, she would indirectly admit that, oh, yeah, it's great. It's good, yeah, 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 exactly. She would say, of course it's great. Who taught you how to cook? That's how she'd say it. Yeah. So I uh, moved back to the UK and then, you know, sharing a couple, so I, it, it was still that kind of um, housemate setting. So I just kind of cooked for my housemates, this, this, that, and that. And then that was what it was. Had you but started then, your Instagram or like blogging in Canada? Like when did you start sharing like what you were cooking with, you know, so, on social? Oof, like that was... Uh, you know what? That was another super late one. I joined Instagram 2012. Oh, wow. Okay. When my sister went, and I think Instagram had been around before then. But my sister had been bugging me. I think Instagram came out either early that year or last year or two years ago. I don't okay. know. My sister had been bugging me like, get on Instagram, get on Instagram. But I ran a fashion blog then. That was why I joined Instagram. Oh, so, I see. Fashion. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so then it was just like, it was just a fashion blog. It was just something I became up. But then I, was, I started watching, like, cookery shows as well. Oh, yeah, those are helpful. <laughs> or inspirational, I would imagine, right? Yeah, now it's like, obviously, now it's 2012. The internet has blown up. You know, YouTube's big. Instagram's big. Social media, Facebook, everything. So, you know, Jamie Oliver, um, uh, what do you call it? Aston Bloomington, all them guys were making big names um, for themselves at that point in time. Um, uh, Gordon Ramsay, big one, coming out, telling everybody to F off, you know, big things. So there's so many online card watch. And I, and I remember when I watched those things, the one thing that would always be in my mind was not the food. It was, oh my God, look at that kitchen. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the so size, the size of the kitchen, or like all the equipment, or like the equipment, the kitchen, and I think, man, like you know what? So I would say stuff like, man, you know what? My my plan in life would probably be to just make enough money so that I can retire and have this big kitchen <laughs> and have this big library of cookery books and just keep cooking and trying recipes as much as I'd like, and that was that was it. That was the dream. So fast forward to uh, 2014, I moved away to Wales for a year to work. I was working with Office for National Statistics at that point in time. I was working as a data analyst. Okay. So far, far from food. Like, yeah, was, I was going to say, did you have it in the like, back of your mind that you were going to do food? Like this no. was a necessary. Oh, and this I was see. Too- 2014 this was like what six years ago yeah. even then if you're me, oh you're gonna be a chef in like a couple of years i would have been like what what fam please <laughs> so it was far from my mind i would cook i would make like uh like a joke of a cookie video and just mock it put it online and people some of my followers then would laugh at it and my followers then were just friends i was one of those people that used to like watch your Instagram post back then and just wait for it to get to 11 likes so that, <laughs> could, so that it could turn to 11 likes and not show people's names. 
so that was it. You know, there was nothing about cooking. I I, I still cooked the same things then. Um, by that time, I'd learned to cook. I'd met my uh, my now uh, partner, my baby mm-hmm. mama. I remember taking her to a Nigerian restaurant in 2013, and had her try a gusi because um, she's she's Jamaican, uh, heritage Jamaican. She's she's a British-born Jamaican. Oh, got it. So I took her to a Nigerian restaurant. I had her try the gusi. She loved a gusi, and you know she loved the gusi so much that we would literally go to like a, every time she came down for visit, we'll go to a restaurant to have a goosey. Um, you know, when she got pregnant with our first child, that was one of our cravings. A goosey was like a terrible craving. It was such a bad craving. She wanted it. Uh, there was a time she wanted it, but all the restaurants were closed. And I remember how angry she was. She was so angry. I was afraid she was like, going to stab <laughs> I was going to say, but, I did, but by this point, though, wouldn't you have learned how to make it? If that no, was I, haven't le- I haven't learned how to, I, I, I did not know how to make it at this point in time. Actually, before she was pregnant, I had tried to make it. And it, 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 it just, mm, it, did you know, not. It just, <laughs> okay. It just didn't turn out, you know, it, it, like on it, my ancestors would not have been proud. <laughs> Got it. So, okay. So you um, were a data analyst and then like what was the aha moment that said, okay, I'm done with this and I should probably, you know, train professionally or, you know, spend my full time now the, in the, in the world was, of food. So we were looking for a place at the time. Um, we, we were in an apartment and I just thought like, you know, no, I'm working now. Um, I'm making money. Um, I want us to get to a house um, so that we could, you know, so that, you know, I wanted, I wanted us to have a bigger space um, and I wanted um, Noah to be able to have more like a, a back garden and more, more space to just sort of move around. So we found, uh, we found a house, we found this house. And um, when we went there, I remember the first thing she said to me, because I was in Wales at the time, she went to check house so i remember the first thing she said to me was you're gonna love this place i said why she said you're gonna love it especially the kids like all right cool no problem came back and i realized oh my god such a lovely kitchen i've got my island it's big spacious so many cupboards and i just really liked it what happened was one day i just realized hey you know what i've actually got a kitchen that looks like what I'd hope my dream kitchen would mm-hmm. look like. So I'm like, you know what? Let me let me let me enjoy the fact that I now have a decent kitchen with an island and so much space. So I decided I was gonna just surprise the missus, go out, shop for some things, buy something, and then um I would cook for her and I you know I'll surprise her. So I remember I came home and I made this pasta, this seafood pasta. And I made it with some lobster tail. And it was a recipe I'd seen somewhere before. I couldn't remember where. Yeah. I'd seen it. And I just thought, oh, I wanted to try that one day. And I said, okay, today I can actually try it. So I went and I, I made it. And I, it was on the 13th of November, 2015. And if you go on my Instagram page yeah. <laughs> and you scroll all the way down to 
my early pictures it yeah. is i believe number six there okay i remember I, I put that up on instagram and i said oh ask about me and i put it up on facebook and i was like oh made this surprise for the missus yeah. and i just remember um i got like two comments on it and then or i think that i got a few comments on it and people were like oh that looks amazing and somebody was like, oh, I'd like some. Somebody was like, oh, my God, you should cook for me. And then it blew up on Facebook. And people were like, whoa, like, yo, you know, chef things. Da, da, yeah. da, da. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, you know, it's just a random recipe I'd seen, wherever. Da, da, da. But people started saying stuff like, whoa, I didn't even know that was you. I thought you were posting some random food from, like, some foodies right. page or a page. And I was like, oh, really? Like, the people were like, wow, you made that actually? <laughs> So from then it just clicked like I was just blown away by everything everyone was saying on Instagram on Facebook to people who tried it and then the next day I just went out, I got more stuff and then I cooked again and then the day after that I got more stuff and then I cooked again and then cooked again became, for, for your family or just yeah for, like for my family so it just became like a thing mm. I would finish work um like I, I i started going to work like super early so that i could leave work early I would quickly rush to the store or to the market there i'll pick up stuff and i'll go home and i'll cook before they got back and they would come back and i'll be like oh wow you made and every day was like wow like whoa my god like you're really into this cooking yeah. stuff and like wow you're really doing a great job i'll post it on instagram I'll post it on Facebook. And I think what got me on Instagram was, it was the first time where every day I'm posting pictures and I was getting like 11, 12 likes and I was so hyped, like, yo! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes! No more names showing under my stuff, just just the number of likes. And I was so hyped, like, yes, yes, like, this this, this is the life. I'm famous now, mama, we made it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How would this look? I don't, I, just, I don't just want to slap it on there. I want it to look nice. So I would think about like, you know, how it look. I would try and plate it real nice. But then what started to happen was people started to, the, the response started to die down. And there was not as much likes coming through. There was not as much comments coming through. People weren't that buzzed. But what I just realized was I was already into it. So I wasn't even phased. Like I wasn't even by the response. Yeah, that's a good sign that it wasn't just about the buzz, right? Yeah, the idea of being a chef, the idea of having a food blog. People would tell me, "Oh, start a food blog." And I'm like, "Nah, nah, nah, nah. I just, I just like to cook. I don't and have you're time." You're still to working, work. right? You're still working as a day. I was still working like full time, full time. I was still working. I used to go to work super early. I take advantage of my flexi time. Um. And just sort of come in early, work, and then dip, go to the market, pick up stuff. And then I became very adventurous, like, early enough. Like, I think even after, the, after like, the fourth thing that I cooked, I just didn't want to follow anybody's recipe anymore. <laughs> it's time to, to do own. your own thing, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was very foolish of me, to be honest, because it was very early, and um, there were a lot of failures. Um, there were a lot of successes, but also a lot of failures. And I used to spend like 16, 17 hours a weekend in the kitchen. Wow. 
Like, this no, is just you developing. This is not even you don't even have a client base yet, right? Eric? You're just cooking and perfecting for your for your for your I didn't own. have a blog. I didn't have a YouTube channel. I didn't have anything. I just wanted to get better at it. Eventually, I went back to like reading recipes because I realized I didn't understand how to balance flavors. I didn't understand how to layer flavors. I didn't understand, you know, what to do. And I needed that basic information. So I'd go back and I'd read recipes and I'd question everything in the recipe. But why? Why? Why this? Why that? Like I would read a recipe and the recipe would say, um, oh, um, when you're doing poached eggs, um, don't salt your water because if you salt the water, the water increases the density of the uh, the salt increases the density of the water, and then your poached eggs will be ruined. And I'm oh, like, right. I didn't even know this. Actually, <laughs> good tip. Everyone is listening. No, so that's like a typical thing they say. But you know, I realized earlier on that, that to me that like that's a myth. So I would research oh. that. And that was something like a lot of people accepted. But I challenged. I was like, why? That is it. Like why? why? Like mm. what's, what's the science behind it? Like why does you know, salt in water and higher density of water, like, why does that make the poach? So I re- I would research, like, what does salt do to water? What what's, What is, like, if well, water has, like, a, a higher density, what happens? Essentially experimenting. Yeah, so I was like, if she salted her water and she, I, I saw her put the egg in and the eggs, like, just dropped straight to the bottom, then that must be a problem. That There's a problem there because if salt does actually increases the density of the water, then the egg should have flowed. So what I don't understand, the opposite is going on here. I wanted to know why, right. why, why, why is this going on? That then became a thing for me. It then helped me develop my own recipes because I started to understand what happens when you mix this with this, what happens when you combine this with this, like what's, what's going on when this chicken is frying. And, and so stuff like that, then that's why if you then look at like my Instagram later on, I then started to come up with like my own different recipe. unique recipes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I, would take, I would take like a, a typical recipe, but I would like add my own twist to it. And as I did that, I got better at plating as well. Um, and I wasn't following any food blog on Instagram. <laughs> you were just doing your own thing, essentially. Doing my own thing. So, um, I'm. We actually. I'm looking at the time. We're running out of time, so I want to make sure we speak about what you're doing now, um, and then we can tie in aspects of your training to that as we move along. So, right now, you you started the KDU. Am I saying that right? Cookery school. Yes. So can you tell us first of all what does what does KDU mean, and then just a little bit about the school, why you decided to start it after you know doing the chef and becoming Instagram famous? <laughs> well, you know, so like I said, like my Instagram started to build up with the following, and then I started to get messages from actual chefs mm-hmm. um, who were like quite shocked at that point in time. So you know, asking me questions like are you really self-taught? And I'm like, yeah, why? And they would say, oh, because you're like, you're, you're doing basically um, almost the same thing we are. We, we spent like years in school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, um, I didn't realize, like, um, I think I would look at a page and still think. So then I started to get invites to like supper clubs. And I remember the first supper club I ever did was from um, Tokumbo. Oh, yeah. Um, Tokumba yeah. was actually the person who got me on it. She was like, have you ever, you've never done a supper? I was like, no, I don't even know what that is. And she was like, oh, okay, you know what? Why don't you come on board with me and let's do one together? 
So Dokuma was actually the first person who got me to do the first Apocalypse when I did it with her. And I got a taste of what that was like and then decided that I was going to start doing my own. And then there was um, Imoteda as well in Nigeria. I remember Imoteda, yeah. She she came, I, I, I had her food when she came to, she came to Toronto, I think, for a pop-up um, yeah. event or something along those lines. She was doing a tour of some kind, yeah. Yeah, so she had just started the African Nigerian fusion food tour. I think that's what it was called, right? Like NFFT or something NFFT, like that. Yeah, so she had just started that, and then she wanted me to come on board because I was making this um this spice at the time. So she wanted me to come on board with the spice and just sort of see what what it was like. Mm-hmm. But that was like my first interaction with like a professionally trained chef. Like I've been speaking to them before, but Imoteda was the first one to say, come to my event, come see what it's like. Okay. So with Tokumbo and then Imoteda's thing just gave me um, a massive wealth of knowledge. And then I started to do that. So fast forward a couple of years later on, I'm doing supper clubs now. I'm getting more and more confident in my cooking and stuff. Um, I'm starting to develop more and more. Eventually come 2017, I decide that's it. Um, this is what I want to do. I, I, I want to cook. Like, this is what I want to do. So at this point in time, I was a senior data analyst for HMR. <laughs> okay. So imagine how shook my manager is when I turn up and I'm like, there's my notice. I'm leaving. I'm going to be a chef. And he's like, wait, what? What? Sorry, what? Like, what's, what's going on? My manager is, is going crazy and he's asking me questions like, did anyone disrespect you? Tell me the real reason why you're leaving. Who is it? I'll sort it out. What's going on? And I'm like, hey, 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 chill, chill, chill. Like, don't worry about it. None of that. It's just, it's a dream that's just been festering and I just, I just want to give it a shot. I'll regret it if I never do this. So I just want to do this. And then, so at the same time I decided to do that, I planned, I was just going to quit. I was going to get all my plans together for supper clubs, keep, you know, blogging with the food, um, try and do some events, um, accessible, and just try and, you know, be this, you know, big private chef just doing his thing. And then uh, a gentleman reached out. Um, his name was Aji. Okay. So um, he was planning to open a restaurant, which is opening uh, this year, I believe, in Mayfair in London. Okay. Called, uh, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Akoko. Oh yeah, I've seen. I've seen that. Is he? Is he Nigerian? The owner is Nigerian. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I've been following the uh, so on, uh, I've been following them on Instagram, and it's, it 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 looks pretty. So I'm excited for what they put put together for sure. Yeah. So he reached out. And he was telling me oh, they're doing this and stuff. And he was like, you know, your names come up as one of the people doing big things with African food, mm-hmm. um, with, with your recipes and how you plate them and stuff. And, you know, why don't you come on board with us? So I'm like, oh, okay. And I, you know, really like, oh, cool, cool, cool. So I went down um, to, went down to London. I met with him we spoke for a little bit and then I, I, there were some demonstrations for some, like some other chefs and there were bigger chefs there. Like there was a guy called Owen. He was the, I think executive chef for one of Gordon Ramsay's chain. Oh wow. Okay. So at, at, at first I felt displaced like, yo, this, this, and then he's telling me about the other chefs they had 
some um some chef I really respect. So his name is Tristan. And so I'm thinking these guys are on an entirely different level from where I am. Like I I guess I've built myself up good enough, but these guys are just not on my level. What am I doing here? So I got to feel like um those guys did not have any experience with African food whatsoever. And then there was this other guy, uh this gentleman there. I can't remember his name, but he does this YouTube channel. Kola is his name. Yes, Kola. And he does this Nigerian food, uh, he has this Nigerian YouTube channel, this food YouTube channel. And he's really popular. I think a lot of people know his food. Nigerian cuisine, that's what it's called, yes. Okay, I need to look it up. I don't think I've heard of, of him. So he was there to sort of teach the food and oh, what to we the, do. Those who didn't know the food. So to, the, to the chefs who didn't know the food. Okay, yeah. got it. And then I was there to sort of validate what Kola was teaching. And to <laughs> okay. um, not, not, not to say that Kola couldn't cook, because Kola was a great cook. Yeah. But I was sort of there to add my own, you know, my own two cents, like, yep, this is it. And I, because I was already transitioning into fusion food at the time, mm-hmm. I was also there to say, you know, how could we twist this? What could we do? So I was like the bridge between Kola and the, uh, like the other good chefs, sort of showing them like how we could translate this traditional Nigerian food into this completely, you know, um, Michelin star product. Um, so I would sort of do that transitioning and then they would just take what they knew from what I've said and then give it that final Michelin touch or how it could be, you know, spun into something great. So eventually I was asked to be the um the sous chef for a cocoa. Okay. And I felt like, oh no, was it and I had I had such a great time with Aji and the team. Uh and then what happened was um they wanted so they wanted me to sous chef for a cocoa, but I thought I wasn't ready. I thought I'm not ready. This is such a big deal. Um, and then he was telling me how we'll have this guys, they'll train you, they'll train you, they'll train you. So eventually, um, something happened. I think they lost the head chef. Okay. And they were considering uh, getting another head chef or training me to be the head chef for a cocoa. So at this point, I just sort of asked Aji, like, you know what, if this is going to happen, um, there's, I would like to at least get some form of training. And, you know, would you be able to? So he offered to sponsor me to get me trained. Okay. So he then sponsored me through culinary school. Um, I then got trained uh, at Leeds, um, finished from Leeds. He also hooked me up with... Um, uh, my first job in the industry, I was working at this amazing restaurant called uh, Bistro Vaduvan. Oh, I think I remember seeing uh, pictures and videos on Instagram that you used to share. So that, so this is them sponsoring you, like with the anticipation that you'll become a chef at Akoko, right? Akoko. Yeah, so this, this was sort of like, I, the- you know, him guiding me and trying to get me ready to be the chef for like Akoko. Um. <clears throat> but the thing was that being in a restaurant setting is really demanding. So what <laughs> happened was I sort of just became a chef that was working in a restaurant. And it was very hard to find time for a cocoa. So I would work like five, six days in a restaurant. And I'd only have one day to, you know, go to Aji's place and sort of work on a cocoa. And I was just sort of losing track on that. 
and you would work like 17, 18 hours a day, almost yeah. 20 hours a day in the restaurant. And then one day you have off, you really just want to sleep. And then <laughs> well, with time with your family too, right? And then I was away from family. I was like miles away. And my wife was pregnant with the second child by this time. So imagine, I'm, yeah. imagine stress. I'm working 20 hours a day. I'm completely away from family. I'd quit my job. Um, I wasn't getting any money because I was being trained at the same time. So the only money that I was getting was literally what Aji was sort of paying me, um, almost like a consultancy fee. And, and, you know, bless him, he did his best. But it was just, it, the, it the time lot, yeah. just wasn't right. Yeah. You know, traveling 200 miles back and forth when wow. I had a chance to, to see family. And then there were times where, you know, you finished work at like 1 a.m. And you knew you had to be there by 8 a.m. And I knew my journey home, because London is a big city. My journey home was two hours. Mm, that's so crazy. it was like, what's the point? So yeah. I was sleeping in my car. So that time I was sleeping in my car, getting ready for work the next day. Jeez. So between between like work and so it, it eventually got too much. And I, I, I before then I had developed a heart condition like a year or two prior. So you're having so to happened, deal with that as well. So I was dealing with all of that, and um, obviously I wasn't trying to say anything to Aji because I was afraid I would get dropped from the project. Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Item 13 Podcast. Thank you.